the way I do it usually is uh, I don't have like a formal start to the podcast. I just hit record and then we basically start kind of hanging out and eventually it's like, oh shit, we're probably recording at this point. And it's like in the editing, yeah. I'll just cut the fuss in front, cut the fuss in the back and then make like the episode out of the middle. Uh, yeah, because I just sweet. find it's, it's more natural, you know, than being yeah. like, okay, let's start now. <laughs> <laughs> the thesis of today's conversation yeah, is, exactly. it sounds great. It sounds right on my street. So I'll just let you lead. I can talk. Cool. Them, and so I don't yeah. continue. Well, that's, struggle to give that's perfect. Oh, where are you calling from? First things first. Uh, I am just south of Manchester is probably the best way to locate me. So I'm oh, cool. actually in London. Yeah. So are you a, are you a soccer fan at all? A football fan? Are you about to ask me what my local team would be? Yeah, well, Manchester is like the city, Manchester. It is, but we're. I'm actually in Stoke-on-Trent. I located you, located myself just south of Manchester for like a larger audience to understand where the living hell that is. So it's in <laughs> it's in the Midlands. So if I was if I was going to affiliate, it would have to be Stoke City. Uh, gotcha. Team, but I I really would struggle to know a single detail about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Um, yeah, I used to be a lot into soccer. That's why I ask. Not so much anymore. Oh, cool. Uh, the extent of my soccer fandom now is just me being on Instagram, seeing a few plays once in a while. But yeah, it's like uh, maybe I'm wrong, but being really passionate about sports is kind of a thing. I think for kids you know it's, it's like <laughs> yeah yeah more for people who are really deeply involved in the sport but if you're not deeply involved in the sport or i i just don't really get the point of being like a crazy fan of something that you have no relationship to anymore you know see maybe that's the appeal of of sport though maybe because it sort of prolongs that ability to be a child because i i guess i've never been it i'm i'm in i've always been into the arts and the creative industries mm -hmm. so, and that's been since i was very young so i've always had this kind of you know sort of slightly wide-eyed curiosity about why people get so into sports but i feel like it is i mean i could, I could literally deep dive onto this this thing i read once about how it is the, the innate human need for a transcendent experience that's what they say that's what they say obsession or collective interest in sport is all about so i think to that, me to me it's, that helped me once it's understand. war it's like war yeah for me it's like the human desire to conquer right to to prove yourself to win battles i think that's exactly what it is if yeah like if you think about you know especially team sports at a national level yeah. they're what, what are they doing they're wearing a uniform they're singing yeah. the national anthem they're like soldiers going to war except you know they're playing football but it's they're the exact fighting same thing. each other yeah yeah because you've then got the whole uh i love the way it's like so let's get straight in because i was also looking recently into the idea of war as a psychic epidemic which i think is a very interesting idea so it's like we're yeah, all you... sort of innately wired to think about these things so so what do you what do you think of war Oh, I mean, the reason that I am interested in it and the, why I was interested in that angle is I'm very interested at the moment in, in my own kind of capacity for destruction, I suppose. I, mm -hmm. I've been like one of my, one of my facets of, mm -hmm. of interest is, is personal development and, and I've been doing that for a very long time now. So I'm, but I, I sort of, 
I'm, I'm quite a long way beyond uh, thinking that the causes of any of my stuff are anything outside of me. So I'm like, what's this thing? I've got, I've got a sort of thread of, of destruction in my nature. That's uh, it can be self-destructive. It can be really creatively destructive, which is where I think it's really useful. But I'm more interested in why, why I still maintain a certain capacity for self-destruction. And so then I started to look into, yeah, this, uh, this, it was a pod, it was another podcast actually about the work of Carl Jung that was talking mm -hmm. about war as a psychic epidemic and it was again it's sort of it's sort of thread into that um idea that we don't want to be responsible for ourselves as a single being so you want to just kind of go along with something that's collective and that makes you part of a group experience or or you know sort of you you are liberated from the responsibility for your single solo experience if you're if you're in a group effort and wars are are the sort of biggest the biggest representative of that in our world right aren't they There's, there is yeah, so much sense. war because i because I, I i inherently want to say oh no i'm peace i let's you know make love not war that's what i want to come out as but then i think that maybe that's because maybe that's just a bit of a cop-out and maybe i do need to address how i do hold that potential within me to, i'm not i'm not about to start war on anybody but no, i obviously I see, hold I see what you're a saying. certain degree of destruction within me and maybe we all do and if we were all more honest about that would the need for these huge collective enactments dissipate a little bit well i think it's really interesting you're talking about that because these are things i've been thinking about a lot too my thoughts on it are there it's like you have capacity for being a really kind person and you have capacity for being a real evil person. And I think that's true more or less within everybody. And war is a way for you to almost like satisfy some of those more dark urges in a context that is making it okay. Just like martial arts are the same thing. And I think I've noticed, for example, that if I, just come out of wrestling practice or I, I, I participate in martial arts. If I do yeah. jujitsu or whatever, after I am a lot chiller and yeah. for example, an incident where somebody's going to be aggressive towards me is not going to make me want to prove myself and be aggressive back because I've already kind of satisfied that urge. So I think the desire for destruction, a lot of it is us not getting to do our natural sort of things that we would do naturally, naturally, right? In nature, you are protecting your family. You have to, yeah. you know, kill a deer so that you can feed your family. It's like very simple primal. And so we still have that genetic coding inside us, right? Like our ancestors were hunters, they were warriors. And so we have those genes and we have those desires. And now the only thing we do is stick behind a computer. That's why people play video games that are like warfare based. That's why people are like looking for these ways to satisfy the urge. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I want to know what martial art is you do, by the way. And, I, and uh, I'm thinking, cause I've been thinking about whether I should like box. It would be so out of my character to box, but I'm taking up drumming in the new year. That's kind of a that's so you want to drum on thing. people's heads now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm taking up drumming people's faces no i would like to uh i mean I, have I you do... have you never done martial arts before i've never done it no it's not in my wheelhouse i'm trying to think i think i did some 
I like literally, I, I, I have a performing arts background, so I've done all the artsy things you can imagine. So I think maybe once upon a time we had somebody come in and teach us some form of boxing, but it literally shred me within about three days. And I was like, that's quite hard. I'm probably not I, doing that. Honestly, and this is what everybody would say that's in the mixed martial arts world is that I would start with jujitsu, which is okay. it's, so I don't, I'm just going to give you like a primer. Martial arts a prompt for the new year. <laughs> martial arts basically divided into three. There are three sorts of martial arts, right? You can either fight with weapons. Okay. So yeah. you have all kinds of systems in there. Then you can fight with uh, striking. So that's what boxing is. It's a striking art, right? Because you strike yeah. your opponent in the yeah. face. You can kick. Um, so that's striking. And then you have something called grappling, which is uh you're not striking right think of wrestling you're wrestling you're moving their body you're using leverage so it's it's as close and intimate as you can get so jujitsu is a grappling art what's cool about it is it's very much so based on technique it's very much so based on using your opponent's leverage against them and so it's a lot less about brute strength physical fitness Obviously, these things come in handy. Obviously, if you have two equal jujitsu competitors, one of them is fitter, he will win. But if you go and you're very skilled at jujitsu and you're going up against someone who's very fit but not skilled, you might win. So what's cool about it is that it's kind of the martial art for everybody. And yeah. it's, a, it's, okay. it's a great way to start. You'll definitely get into... Uh, it, it's, it's also pretty safe. Like you're not going to get super hurt if you start jujitsu you're not going to get punched um i mean nobody's going to break your arm like it's more you you can tap out basically so anytime when it's like somebody's choking you and you're like okay done you tap and they and they finish (laughs) and usually usually there's like a really nice culture people are trying to teach each other not trying to you know kill each other so it's great if you're a beginner it's like it's good for women it's good for kids so that's what I would do if I were you. Right. I might give that a go. I mean, anybody who is who knows me, who listens to me talking about jujitsu would find the idea hilarious. But I do quite like the idea of it because I'm I'm also really interested at the moment in because I've done a lot of like meditating my way through difficult mm-hmm. things in my life. And I and I think that I am much more interested in in like I guess what you'd call like a kind of applied meditation or like yeah. a, like a phys- physicalized version of meditation that is using because i think you can so easily even by the way we've we've swallowed up those eastern traditions where you can make it into this real exercise of sort of transcending the body and it's like actually the body is yeah, the the really good shit in this life is about coming into the body a lot and, of it, yeah. and uh, kind of mastering it so i like the idea of something really applied i also do quite like the idea that's why i'm taking a drawing lesson because it's like I just like trying things that are quite outside of my experience because uh, it will bring to surface everything. It brings to the surface everything I need to work on in myself. Yeah, no, and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it's called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, the full name, mm-hmm. is great because it isn't... It, it, it's one of the few martial arts, I think, that you can really be wherever you are. There is no like type of person that starts wrestling is aggressive it's it's yeah it's very physical boxing it, it depending on the class it can be okay but jujitsu no matter what you're always going to have uh the ability to 
control your involvement and your, your, like how much of it you want. And so that's why it's really cool. And it, it does teach you about a side of you, especially if you say like, that's not your alley at all. It teaches yeah. you to defend yourself. It teaches you to stick up for yourself. It teaches you that you can handle a situation, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that, I, and I think that's really important to know, like, okay, it doesn't mean you have to go beat people up, but you know that if something happens on the subway or on the metro, as you guys call it, right? You can defend yourself. Uh, the underground, yeah. The underground, yes. Yeah, yeah. Or well, the tube, yeah. Yeah, or the tube. Exactly. That's what I was yeah. thinking of, the tube. So yeah. you can you yeah. can defend yourself on the tube if you need to. And it's like, it's just a, a form of, it's another form of inner peace. Because as much as you can meditate your way through a lot of issues, you can't meditate your way through getting punched in the face. You know what I mean? Like, unless, yeah, you're, you, unless yeah. you're Jesus, it's not going to work. But also there's no, there's a real, there's a real modern myth that you're, that the, that the favored way through something difficult like violence or, or like the threat of violence is to be really zen. And actually, I think you do need to be able to like master the, the, ang- the, the response of anger. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you then enact that on anybody, but actually to be able to go, that aggravates a lot of anger in me. I can tolerate that. I can move that through the body and then I can get on with my day rather than it like bubbling up getting stuffed yeah. back down and then coming out sideways in some other way in in international warfare which is kind of what it does in the culture to bring it back in a way yeah that's interesting yeah yeah because and the thing with war is that i've been thinking about a lot lately i think it's it's hard to find out what your position is on war and peace everybody feels like peace is the right way to go right like no, I very rarely do people say like really want war, even soldiers. They're like, war is terrible. It's like, if we can avoid it, let's do it. And so the way I've been thinking about it lately, it's like, okay, let's say you wanted to build a society all based on peace and love, right? Which sounds good to me. Sure. Let's do it. Now, what are you going to do the day there are some intruders who want to, you know, let's say, let's say you have like a little commune. You have 50 people that yeah. live in it, 25 beautiful women and men, of, yeah. right? 25 beautiful women, 25 beautiful men, let's say, whatever, yeah. just to make things yeah. simple. And then some, the, the, the village next door wants to take your 25 beautiful women into slavery as sex slaves, right? Because yeah. why not? It's not like, you, it's not like you're going to eradicate evil. I mean, the chances of that are so low. So, so what do you do now? Do you let them? Do you say peace and love? I'm a martyr. Yeah, but then a peaceful a peaceful world in this in this fantasy we're building shouldn't be without conflict. I think that's the difference, right? There there can be conflict without war. There can be there can but be so what do you what do you call that conflict? Peace. What do you call the, the well, fight between well, those there, clans? There, uh, yeah, I guess the ideal would be a, a form of yeah, like mutual mutual respectful non-violent i guess non-violent communication that's a good way forward right sure that's, that's nice. and i agree with you that's the best way to go but yeah. what if the other side is trying to rape your women and it does will it's not trying stop? to fight you are you just going defend, to be like right yeah yeah and 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 i think you know as much as we would like to think we're, we're going to be martyrs i think there will be a moment where you're let's say you're on the ground somebody's on top of you punching yeah. you, right first punch you're like no i'm not going to I'm not going to fight back. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, and by the way, if you can do it, if the only way that the whole peace and love like 
thing works is if you really push it to the extreme. If you are willing to die for it and watch your wife get killed right in front of you and not move and not out of cowardice, but out of real conviction that you're doing the right thing, I respect it. I don't know that I agree, but I respect it. But I think if you're going to, most people, if they're going to be pushed to the extreme of that like martyrdom, eventually the third punch, the fourth punch, they'll be like, oh my God, what am I doing? And they'll start like fighting back, right? At that point, it's too late. And that's why as much as we don't like it, you do need to be strong and you do need to fight back earlier, not, not like at the last minute, because at the end of the day, deep down, your true nature says, hey, I have to survive and my family has to survive and the people that matter to me have to survive. And so I think the peace and love thing is not bad. It's a thing to modulate the darker sides of ourselves because we can go too far in the overprotective let's fight, let's conquer and fear-based sort of thing. So we need the peace and love to modulate it. But I don't think, I, I don't think either extreme is good. And I think you actually need soldiers who meditate and who are able to discern what's a real threat from a fake one, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah it does. I'm thinking about, I'm just thinking about the, it's how I sort of process everything really is to sort of contemplate how it's, how it's, how, what my own conditioning was mm-hmm. and, and and I think that there's a real sort of psychological conditioning of discomfort with with any form of conflict and I don't mean physical violence now I mean something like this disagreement I think one of the ways we were managed in our family I reflect on this with my brother a lot is because single mother three young children one of the ways she she managed us was to stifle dissent you know mm-hmm. it was like it was sort of a, this conditioning of of, of, I guess of like love giving and love withholding that was like you'll you'll get more if you don't disagree if you don't th- upset the so therefore what developed in my psyche as I grew up was this this overly placating niceness of just being like if I'm good then we're all good that kind mm-hmm. of thing rather than being like actually that pisses me off I want to be able to just voice that that pisses me off I want to have uh, or like you're doing something that I don't like, or you're doing something that I don't agree with. And actually, I, I, I feel like they're the things I had to learn in adulthood of how to just be like, I don't, you know, I, I am I am at odds with you. I am in, in conflict with you, but we're still both okay. And mm-hmm. I think if I almost think it on, on a personal level for me, if I had just been able to, I've learned it now in adulthood, but it's like that ability to just be like, cool. I I don't agree with something that's happening here, but I don't think I need to abandon somebody in their belief if it's alternative to mine. And I don't think right. that there can't there can't be things beyond that. You know, let's say let's say if we're in peace and love, we've got let's say love is a, is a kind of connecting force that we can then have a conflict within. Yeah, absolutely. Knowing, knowing that neither is because that because I almost think that that's where the the instinct to fight is is comes from is when your when your sense of sort of survival bond is going to be withdrawn, isn't it? Like yeah, somebody's well, gonna, no, yeah. When you don't trust that the other side is loving, yeah, somebody's not just coming at me with a conflict, but they're also going to withdraw my my ability to survive life mm-hmm. in whatever way that comes over. That's when I think we become super defended, and I think that's if you're going to get me to throw a punch, which I'd say is relatively unlikely that would be how to do it is to make yeah. me feel like i am kind of alone in the world and yeah cornered. i get you it's like yeah you'll get me into violence there and the thing is we live in a very relatively peaceful society if if we're in the west so 
for us, yeah. the idea of being violent is just negative because we don't understand that there is a whole other world out there. I mean, we are basically, we're so privileged in the fact that as much as there are problems that we have, you know, a police force, that we have infrastructures, that we have uh, common values and the, the notion of a society that with agreed upon rules, you know, people say, and me too, and I see it, you know, that some of society's rules are completely arbitrary. Like, why do we have countries? And I get it. Like, why do we have countries? The thing is, imagine a world without countries. Imagine a world where there isn't a common language for you to speak to each other. It's eventually it all turns into chaos. And unless everyone is, you know, has done the mushrooms and is in this higher consciousness, there are always going to be forces that are going to try to take advantage of you. And if you're only stuck in the peace and love mode, you're not going to be able to defend yourself from these forces. So yeah, I, I go to church, right? And I have this, yeah. this priest who talks about how, how Jesus, and it's a, it's a, it's a, he's very, what I really like about this priest, I always say this because I think saying you go to church turns a lot of people off. And this priest is a spiritual being, right? It's not yeah. a dogmatic guy it's not like oh you have to do this to go to heaven it's not like that at all it's um in fact that kind of stuff turns me off a lot it what i like about him is that i don't feel like i'm doing something religious i feel like i'm listening to somebody spiritual just like i feel the same thing when i listen to russell brand right it's the same yeah. thing and so i was I, I was i tweeted russell brand today we can come back to that <laughs> sure yeah and he so, didn't respond <laughs> uh so all that stuff right the the spirituality and and one of the one of the things he said that was really interesting is that the whole message of jesus right was like when he's on the cross he yeah. dies and basically ends the cycle of violence right he doesn't yeah. use his if, if you think of it as a story even if you if you if you don't believe it if you if you think of jesus as let's say the son of god in this particular story he technically has the power to do anything he wants right but he chooses to bring about the suffering on himself and be a martyr so that you, he ends the cycle of violence because the violence is not going to continue, right? Like if he doesn't answer back with violence, then violence ends. Sure, he dies, but the, the cycle ends. And so I get that, but I don't know that that is what I'm meant to do as a person. Yeah, yeah. I just don't, I've always been like somebody who would want to, fight to protect my family it's always been like an instinct inside me i've always felt the 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 draw of like the military martial arts so i think you also have to listen to your instincts and if your instinct says something like that you should pay attention to it there's so much in here that i could that i could get under but i think what i what i was struck by was um oh god there's literally so many things but I'm really interested in the, because I don't, I don't, I'm not turned off by the idea of God and Jesus and the church mm -hmm. and all those kind of things. But I, I do think there has been historically a, a problem where we've, we've misunderstood that our, our psychology as human beings is something that is, is interconnected, but separate from our spirituality as mm -hmm. larger beings, if we want to, if we want to frame it that way. And so I think those 
especially I've got I've got I seem to I seem to gather friends who are drawn to the Christian faith, which is really interesting because I don't feel drawn to it myself. But they 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 when those stories are used as illustrative kind of yeah, like spiritual directive texts, I think they're so rich because yeah. they 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 offer this kind of you know like through story through story i'm a storyteller that's my vibe so they that that's that's the most powerful tool i think we have they offer this this kind of framing of of loads of ethical quandary at once so i think that it is a is a really interesting thing and they can be really rich but i can totally get on board with the conflict of thinking but i don't feel like that's how i actually live my life want to live my life aspire to live my life so yeah. I can get right underneath that. But you said you you also talked about something right before the church, of which I wanted to come back to. What was it we were talking about? Was it Rus Russell Brand? I do want to come back to Russell Brand. Um, no, I forgot now. I'll probably come back to me. Well, so what did you want to say about Russell Brand? Russell Brand is a fascinating character. I, I'm a, I think I'm a fan. I should say that. I think I'm a fan. But he has, he's very he's become a bit like a cult leader in my humble opinion at the moment <laughs> because the 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 culture of 12-step recovery which i know intimately um is is a bit like a if if not if not carefully carefully handled is a bit like a, it's like all the rules of a cult waiting for the idiot to lead them and i feel like <laughs> russell brand has somewhat taken up that mantle but my 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 thing i tweeted him about was that he 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 came out saying that he was x amount of years clean and sober and i i have an issue with the word clean because i think that there is this shadowing of anybody who is a not who, who is living a non-sober experience as then if if you are the clean one they are then the dirty one and i think that that creates almost exactly what we're talking about in terms of war it creates mm. this idea of the kind of shadowed shaded um you know dirty people who have yet have not yet found the light and it's actually a really christian idea and i think actually just they are they are because i've i have stared down the eye of addiction many times in myself and in others and they are actually the people who just haven't yet had the privilege to to have the things line up to choose a sober path and it doesn't make them dirty and i so i have a bit of an issue i think there's a cultural problem with framing sobriety as clean and and um anything else as, as as whatever the alternative they don't nobody goes around calling them dirty openly but i just so i'm just like if you're no yeah you're i see so what you're saying. wedded to your cleanliness does that make everybody else dirty and is that compassionate i don't think it is hmm. well so here's the thing that's tough about it i see totally what you're saying and and i also see the other side which is why it's difficult i think what you're saying is true you don't want to shame people because shaming people doesn't build them up. And so we want to build a society that's uh, based on compassion and love for each other, because that's how we raise each other up. I get that. But at the same time, the danger, on the other hand, is making everything so acceptable that people lose the compass of what is good and bad. So in this particular case, 
if you call it if if you let's say i mean what would you call it instead like just sober and not sober i suppose yeah i suppose technically that would be the useful term there but mm. even uh, i think that the i think it's it, it's such a it's like a ball of wool because i'm like even the idea of the compass of good and bad is is really like why why is why is one good and one bad like why is is, in, is the in terms of, of the it. sobriety or in general yeah let's say let's stay with sobriety since we're on that thread is non-sobriety bad is it like i understand that it might be for somebody who's chosen uh, to 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 abstain and, and live a, a life of, of of sobriety they might think for themselves it wasn't a good time for them when they were in their using days but i'm just like that that i just wonder around the whether it's like are we doing this thing again where we like aspiring to the good in ourselves and then inadvertently chucking that under the bus it's like it's not bad it's not it's like is it ethically neutral i think i think sobriety is good i think matt i think basically if you're able to control yourself it's okay so if you're able to do certain drugs and still truly be you know functional and uh and it works for you and you're still conscious for, you know, if, if you're able to do, to smoke weed, but be a good member of society, whatever that means, if you're able to contribute and if you're able to take care of yourself, if you're able to be kind and loving, you okay, then, then I don't think you're, uh, you know, bad. And, and if you, and, but if you're addicted, I don't think you're bad in the sense that you're a fundamentally flawed person but I think you're in a bad state, right? And so I think it's like if you shower every single day, three times a day, are you cleaner than somebody who showers once every two days? No, I think you're pretty much the same cleanliness. But now if you don't shower at all, like at all for a month, you are kind of dirty. Does it mean you're a bad person? No, but you are dirty objectively you know so i think i think that's kind of where that's kind of how it makes sense to me but i also understand how calling them dirty is like you know not a well the thing is is not nobody really is calling them dirty but there's there's like a passive implication of dirtiness as an opposition of cleanliness and i think and don't you think is... that could motivate people though at the same time I, it's like a, I feel like because I, I was I was uh, sort of born and raised and conditioned into the community of 12 step recovery. So I was it's my it's my role in life now to to understand the shadow it's cast over my own psyche and what it may be casting over to the psyche of the world. That's a, and to be playful in that. I think that's the, the important thing here. I'm 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 like a, a, a curious, a curious trickster in this conversation. Yeah, you're not trying to. Mm yeah be angry i'm not about it you're just trying to no, figure it I'm out trying, i'm trying questions. to be a bit like are we are we creating mm. a chasm of of separateness from the people who who are still say in the struggle if we make this side clean and tidy and the right one i almost wonder if it's a way it's like a it's almost like a form of spiritual materialism let's call mm -hmm. it of like well i've i've got this now so therefore i'm over here on the good ship 
and you're still over there. And I'm th I think fundamentally in the eyes of whatever you believe that thing we call God to be, I don't think it thinks you're different to one another, actually. I see what you're saying. And that's, that's what the issue is to me, is that there's a contrast between what is spiritual truth and what is pragmatic truth. And sometimes they're almost even at odds with each other. Like the idea of, the idea of it, for me, a perfect example is Hitler, right? Yeah. Now, do you kill Hitler, right? Let's say he's like, you're, you're a sniper or you, you happen to be, you're a Doug, you're the same person, but you just happen to have a gun in your pocket and Hitler is like right in front of you in a dark alley and you know exactly what he's going to do. So your spiritual being is going to be like, no, I'm just going to speak to him make sure that maybe I can be the one who switches him on the right path. Right. But there's another pragmatic truth, which is let's just get rid of the guy. Like what are, what are the odds that one conversation is going to change the guy and the course of history and, and also making it even more difficult. In most cases, you don't even get to have the conversation with the bad guy, right? He's just coming in to, right. So, so, so what do you do? Do you not kill Hitler? And well, that's, there's, that's there's a whole the there's issue the fucking, itself. Yeah, there's the ethical conundrum of if you kill the Hitler, are you going to stop the other guy that's going to step forward and do the exact same thing? And I don't yeah. know that you do. Um, but I, yeah, I like one likes to think <laughs> it's such a good, such a good challenge. I mean, I just don't feel qualified to answer it. But one likes to think you would shoot Hitler down. Well, no but one is qualified. Like, to are you? Are you the? Are you then the Hitler? That's the. Well, I think there are big differences between you shooting Hitler and Hitler shooting you. And so in one instance, there's the murder of a person who is doing evil. In the other instance, yeah. there is, and killing innocent people. In the other instance, Hitler is killing an innocent person. So yes, killing broadly is wrong, but there are, there are levels to it. I think there's nuance to it. And so the nuance is if somebody's killing innocent people and there's no way to stop them, right? You can't just like arrest them or it's unpragmatic to arrest them. Then, you know, I mean, obviously it's, obviously it's a slippery slope. Like, okay. So now you have Hitler, but his wife is near him. And the only way to do it is with a missile and it kills the innocent wife. Right. Like, so you can, you can mm. build these scenarios into so many and that's why it's complicated because the spiritual truth and the pragmatic truth will be kind of always inching their way and so how many like how many innocent victims does it take to make it right like there's no answer to this and eventually you have to come to terms with the fact that there's both beauty and ugliness in the world and you're just going to have to make the best of it and you're not going to have the perfect answer you know that's yeah, that's that's the the rub there. I think that the thing I wanted to come back to is the military draw. By the way, just remembered. Mm -hmm. Let's yeah. come back to. I wanted to ask you about that because I was curious. But yeah, you're right. You're up there. The it's the it's the it's where personal ethics meets sort of societal ethics. What the society thinks is good, good or bad, or right or wrong, and what you personally think is good or bad or right or wrong. And I just. I just wonder whether, yeah, that's that's a that's a personal little niggle with me on the whole kind of cleanliness one. Just like, do we inadvertently kind of self-celebrate and separate ourselves from from the fact that, and especially if those if those 
endless um, sort of idioms of the 12-step community are to be believed, then you're literally but a, a, a stone's throw away from being the person on the other side of the coin. Mm. So it's like, do you not create a harder, almost like a soapbox for yourself to be to have kicked out from beneath you every time you call yourself clean it might just be something that he's literally like oh god i've never thought about it that uh, yeah. like that yeah you're, you're quite right i probably will stop using that now but i noticed it was one of my one of my irks of just there's so many and also there's so many like i feel like psychologically there are so many types of addiction like the 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 ones in which you engage a chemical substance are are wholeheartedly doing something to your body which perhaps creates a sense of like grossness and dirtiness but actually in in the 20 whatever century 21st century we're in now is that right yeah we're in yeah the 21st we're 21st century. <laughs> um don't want to be misquoted on that one but there are so many behavioral addictions that we are yeah. all engaged in every day arguably arguably the fabric of our fucking culture is an addiction even if you think about it work. habit is an addiction exactly thought and mm -hmm. so i kind of just i just i'm like i guess that's it i'm I'm really interested in being like are we not just like creating a little a little uh illusion a new new addiction yeah to 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 the clean things and like is there a sort of purity fantasy that that what's pure is what's good and is going to ascend to heaven is and then we and then i feel like we do get back to to um Christian ideals quite quickly because I, I think see that they saying. dominate our culture. I think what what is um, what's cool about the society in which we live is that one we can have those conversations, and I think that's what the benefit is. I don't. I think the benefit is not us getting is is not us actually having the truth. It's us working our way towards there because. Mm -hmm because it's so complicated right like in the case of warfare because there's like okay the spiritual debate where it's like well you shouldn't kill anyone and then the sort of pragmatic side of things what's cool is because we're together you can kind of assume that the average of our answers and behaviors ends up being the best way forward because maybe yeah. you're more set towards an idealistic way and maybe i'm more set towards a pragmatic way and yeah. if we just went if i was the boss the world would be screwed up but maybe if you were the boss the world would be screwed up too but because yeah. both of us share equal power the world is okay maybe it's not perfect but it's okay and yeah. i think that's what's cool about democracy that's why i like free speech even if it's batshit crazy i think it's good to have because overall it balances the conversation it and that's what that's why i think people uh, don't understand about free speech is that they look at it as an isolated incident. Like this person said this, but if you look at it as adding to a convert overall conversation, even the hate and the, this and the, that all of it, obviously we want to get rid of hate. That's not what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be, yeah. it's complicated to explain what I'm trying to say, but overall you get to some sort of truth. Yeah. You get closer to it than you would on an individual level. You it's hope like a collective so, right? consciousness. Yeah, you yeah. hope so. You hope so. One really fucking hopes that that's true. Because yes. we're all trying. And <laughs> and the only way for that to be true is, and that's why I'm saying the only way for that to be true is to not control the conversation. Because if you do, yeah. then eventually you do end up steering it in a way that is individualistic and not collective, right? Yeah. If that makes sense. 
there's such a yeah there's that's i i also would like to i'd like to believe that i am pro free speech but i find it really difficult mm-hmm. i think that if, I, if i'm really honest i well yeah i've spent i spent the majority of lockdown in my hometown and and free speech here is is quite quite different to what i believe about there's there's a lot of uh there's a lot of um uneducated opinion which i don't want to even make as a judgment there's a lot of unchallenged opinion is how it's, i think that's a better way of, of yeah that, actually there's a lot of people saying things that just just are exist within this culture that has not had any outside influence on it so therefore goes unchallenged by everybody within the culture and therefore there's this overriding idea that it's the right thing yeah Largely, well that is the danger of yeah. collective consciousness the thing is there's it no it is yeah but like, it's because we don't yeah. learn. We don't learn this thing that we were talking about, though. We don't learn to sit in conflict inside of ourselves. Because actually, I, mm, I, I've, I especially, especially through that, because it was happening in this, in this isolated moment. We were going through a huge, it had been, God knows the, uh, the movement has been fighting for a long time, but there was a sudden moment in, in recent history where the Black Lives Matter movement burst into everybody's consciousness. Mm-hmm quite rightly uh, and i was at home or in the variety in the sort of in the in the family of origin and and i and i really felt that moment of being like these are the people to have the challenging conversations with it's not it's less i don't need it's not really necessary for me to express my voice on the internet it's like i had difficult conversations with with people who are intimately close to me in my family and i found that way harder than being somewhere in a public platform having an opinion that is shared largely by my liberal network of friends because mm. actually to challenge that thinking it's like that's the work though i feel like that's the work of advocacy as well it's, it's like it's not go it's not to be up on a platform trying to tell everybody what to do it's like turn and face the people who you know and love yeah. and challenge the way they're thinking or the way they think it's okay to to just spew shit out and it was rough and you don't win the battles that's what's hard but you stay in the battle that's the thing that i felt like that became my commitment to just be like just don't let stuff slide if it creeps into the conversation just be like no actually i don't think you know i'm not gonna just submit again to that that idea yeah uh there's a lot to unpack in what you said. Generally, I agree with you. I do think there is also an overreaction at one point, which is now I'm not going to let anything slide and I'm always going to be in battle mode. And I think that's that's one of the problems I think in society today is people are always kind of trying to catch a person saying the wrong thing or... Yeah. yeah. And then it's like, well, I, I see where you're trying to come from. But I still think, especially if you know the person and they're not a bad person, you should give them a bit of a chance and empathy. And, and I'm not saying you're not. I'm just, I'm just adding to what you're saying. And, a, 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 and trying to understand, I, I think it's important to try to understand where people come from. And I think this is going to be interesting to you. I recently, completely by accident, met a really racist person, like fundamentally racist person. Yeah. And, and, but not racist in just like a, a, 
like it was a, it was an intellectual racism, right? It wasn't some something. It wasn't just like a, oh, I don't like X, Y, Z, right? And I'm not even going to say which race because this exists in every single race. Yeah. Um, and so this this racist attitude came from uh, intellectual theses, right? Which could be also called intellectual feces, but yeah, <laughs> they were, yeah. they were, they came from intellectual theses. And, and the thing is some, you can understand why people go along with it because there are always logical underpinnings to every single ideology. You can always hold on to something that is fundamentally true. And so the, the challenge is to be not revolted by those times when somebody's making something that almost that does seem logical because i think what tends to happen is is something logical comes to your mind and you're so afraid of it that you like reject it because you don't want to be a racist or something let's say for example you believe that uh native americans are a superior like na native cultures are superior because they were able to live in um love and peace and harmony whereas like european settlers were only here for economic profit, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, so that means you're valuing the, let's say the love and the communal bond very strongly. And you're discarding the whole aspect of European civilization, which was civilization building, right? Science, mathematics, which is cool. And on the other hand, if you're a European settler and you just say, well, these are primitive people, you're discounting a whole spiritual layer to the aboriginal people and so there isn't a uh i would say there isn't a superior race but there are there have been instances in history where a certain people were better at a certain thing because of evolution like just living in a certain territory for example i don't know if this is true but maybe the europeans were more uh lived in harsher weather environments so they had to build homes they had to maybe they had more diseases so they had to come up with science maybe in more native areas, right? And this is like just very broad, like just random. Yeah. I don't know the scenario. I'm just trying to explain how people think of it and how it actually things come about. Maybe things were just better off. It was easier. So you didn't need to build these crazy civilizations. You could actually enjoy life and peace and all of that. Yeah. And so, but see, I think what's, what's tricky is, is we're so scared to have that conversation because saying what I just said might tip somebody off because somehow maybe I said something wrong or right. That it's like a scary conversation to have. And then nobody has it. Whereas if we could just talk about how, well, yeah, there are obviously going to be differences between where people live and how their societies develop. And if we can just be honest about it, then I think that would go away because a lot of the problem is that things don't get challenged on an intellectual level. It's just emotional. You have to be not racist on an emotional level. And so if somebody finds a random fact, like, oh, well, I guess it was white people who had better medicine, which by the way, I don't, I don't fully, like, I don't think that's true because there's plant medicine because a lot of medicine came from the Middle East, but let's say, right. Like, you're just like, wow, all these great scientists, they were, they were white. Therefore being white is a superior race and everybody else, all they say is you're racist, you're bad. You're not being confronted at a logical level. And so you, you think, okay, this is logical. Then I'm going to keep hanging on to it. Other people are just being emotional. 
You know what yeah. I'm saying? And so you need to confront with logic and be like, well, there are also other ways of looking at it. Look at the natives. They had plant medicine and right. And then you have a real exchange of logical ideas. And I think that's how you get rid of racism. You don't get rid of racism by just being like, oh, you're bad. You're racist. You know? Yeah. And also, yeah, you, you, you could, you would have to unpick, you know, if, if somebody's making an, like an argument for racism on, on, on why people having made scientific breakthroughs, it's like, well, let's start, let's just unpick the privileges that put them in the fucking lab in the first place. So yeah. you're gonna, you're gonna get quite quickly to why it's not because they were, there's a fundamental betterness yeah. there, is it? There, there's a, Oh, it's a, I, I'm, I'm intrigued though now was the person that this person that you came into contact with actively interested in trying to convince you yes. that racism was, oh really that's that's yeah. challenging I think I'd find that really challenging because yeah. it's really hard not to with especially with everything I've already said so far in our chat it's really hard to not then be like well you're obviously wrong yes and then and 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 probably quite quickly i would leap to defended arguments well of, of right and wrong and good and bad and clean and ugly or whatever i was I talking know. About earlier on and that's like because i'd feel so defended i just need that too and 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 i remember being surprised and being like whoa i thought this didn't exist right i i was i was surprised yeah. I, I didn't was it, I didn't... was it in this context of curiosity in a podcast interview? no it wasn't a podcast but because i have been doing podcasts because i've been really trying to uh be conscious in the way I live and think. I said, I am going to let this man try to convince me. I'm not going to fight back. I'm going to try to see what of his world makes sense. What yeah. is there that's actually valuable? And maybe nothing, or maybe there'll be something I'll learn. And the thing is, at, at, I came out of the conversation. And I was like, I've never had a conversation like this before, because most of the time I, I actually just kind of listened. And it was interesting. And the guy, and see, that's what happens when you speak to other people. The guy was not dumb. He was a smart guy. The guy was yeah. not, I don't think the guy was mean. I think he was yeah. a nice guy, right? And that's what's so difficult to understand because if you're so shocked by it, well, obviously he's a dumbass and he's mean. And then some people are going to be like, well, you're apologizing for him. I'm, I'm, I, I guess I am. You know what? I guess I am. I'm just yeah. saying, I don't agree with what he said, but I can't assassinate him on his character one, because he hasn't committed any actions. This is just a personal belief of his, which that is very important distinction. If you haven't done anything, you know, and then, sorry, I'm just like opening new tabs on a browser. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, but, yeah, yeah. It's fine. I'm tracking so far. Yeah, well, I guess you could say his actions will have an indirect impact because of the way he behaves, right? If he's a hiring manager at a company, well, he could hire a certain yeah. way. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know how to fully deal with this issue. But what I am going to say is that I think it was a lot more productive to listen to the guy and then give him my sort of take on it than if there is any converse, if there is any con like convincing to be done, it will be done that way. It won't be done by screaming and shouting. Now, if your belief is there's like these people are so bad, there's like they're just we should just eliminate them. Okay. That's like a philosophy that I guess makes sense in its own way. But being a more peace and love guy myself, I don't think the guy should just be eliminated for his beliefs, even if he has an unconscious impact on society. I think the best way is to speak to him and actually confront him, but not confront him, confront him tactically, right? Not just like, Ugh, but actually try yeah. to understand what are his points and let them, and to be good at being tactically like, 
argumenting with somebody, you need to let the arguments hit you to understand them, to really understand why does he believe that? And, be, and to do that, you have to be open to him being right, which is a very scary thing. Nobody wants to open that door. I mean, what if I can be convinced that, that a certain race is superior? That's terrifying. I don't want to be convinced of that. That would break my whole understanding of the world. Yeah, but especially because you're building a platform of your own at the moment, right? You have a podcast, you're, you're doing that thing. I'm really in, interested to, to hear how you're managing that, because I think that it's the thing that I think about a lot at the moment. I'm like, I would like to build a platform. I'd like to, I'd like to have voice, give voice to, to the art that I make and the things that I, the stories I tell and such. But then to do so, yeah, you do need to, especially if you want to engage in things that are in any way subversive. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> the slightest of ideas can be subversive these days you do then have to allow for like it like what do you how do you feel for instance about this being a podcast that's in your name yeah this conversation happening well, right now well here's the thing here's the thing you've got the edit you've got the edit button no i actually don't really edit conversations but technically yeah if something came up that was like jesus i'm gonna get nailed for this then yes yeah yeah uh this is what i do one, I, I know there's no perfect solution. I'm probably risking some backlash in some way. And I yeah. think my take on it is, well, I do want to do this. So I'm willing to see. Maybe, maybe in five years, I'll completely regret this. I'd be like, wow, this episode number 25 with Doug ruined my life. But right now, <laughs> right now. I, I think... really hope it's not me that does that. <laughs> you know, but right now I'm getting a lot more out of it uh, than it is hurting me. And I think it's, I really enjoy the intellectual stimulation of going all the way into something. To me, it's like an, it's like an acid trip. I am yeah. taking the acid pill every time I go on this show and I am ready for whatever comes up and I'm, yeah. I'm going, to, going to try to remain calm and try to deal with it in a tactical, smart way. And so that, I get a thrill out of that. So that's number one. And then number two, I'm, I'm pretty smart about it. At the end of the day, like I don't use... Right. It's like AJ that what you, if you look up AJ on, on Google, you're not going to find me. Uh, okay. Yeah. I don't have pictures of me. I have an audio recording of the podcast, not video. Yeah. So yeah. that's the way I do it. And also I'm aware that I'm pretty small right now. So what, what are they going to do? You know, but I yeah. am taking a risk and, and I think it's worth taking a risk because of the intellectual just the pure intellectual pleasure of having conversations and exploring topics and yeah and we're both there's a common goal here we're two white guys who want to do right by the world i think that we're uh, we're uh, we might get ourselves into some uh, complicated ethical conundrums but i think we are both actively consciously trying and to and i just hope that listen. people understand that our intentions are good we're just trying to figure out the truth so that we can live and organize a better society. And I just know, of course, I will make mistakes. There's no, and everybody makes mistakes trying to organize perfect because you, you never get there. So that in itself is a mistake, but the, the, we're trying to do well, trying, I'm trying, the thing that motivate me is I'm trying to understand how to live my own life. I want to know yeah. what I should believe because I'm stuck in a world where everything is so believable. I don't know what to believe anymore. So I'm trying to figure that out. I'm trying yeah. to speak to different people who may help me think yeah. about things, become smarter so I can discern things. And then I'm trying to understand, well, how can I live my life? How can I have a positive impact on other people near me, far away from me and yeah. do the best that I can? And, and that's why yeah. I do it.
yeah it's, it's i it's a, it's had more like admirable i feel like i wanted to just say as a as a response that i feel like the 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 thing of of challenging the the, the racist guy or or engaging him that feels like the work of advocacy to me i feel like that's what from what i understand i always want to know better how to be a better advocate I want to know in term in terms of you know my specific interest points are going to be gay rights trans rights and 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 racism and I want to and, and I just want to be like I want to learn but it is not the it's not the responsibility of the black activists to teach me how to be mm -hmm. a better advocate so I feel like the, the that that for me feels like a good thing of just not turning away not instantly shutting somebody down either just being a bit like fuck that really that gets my back up that challenges me fuck that's gonna really like be a hard thing but i'm gonna i'm gonna mm -hmm. engage them and i'll be like cool let's see if i can in any way influence your your movement from that position that feels like the work of advocacy that's what i would hope people would do uh, if, uh, in terms of gay rights that's a passion point of mine um or queer rights, trans rights. I really hope that people would just think to take it upon themselves to just go, hey, do you know what? I think what you just said is not okay. Can we mm. talk about that? Let's see if we can work around that. And if you're, you've got any flexibility, because I think philosophically speaking, I wanted to say this earlier actually, that that compulsion to binary thought of, of right or wrong is, is like a spiritual, psychological, condition of because the world the the experience of being a human being is technicolor but a binary black or white in some way simplifies it so i think the people that i have met especially in the past year who who are back in that kind of thinking that i was raised in which is quite binary quite this or that often quite small um they're just trying to stay safe psychologically mm -hmm. they're just trying to not let anything through the the dam that might flood the system and I think that that's, that's all it is. So yeah, like if you can, yeah, I think there's almost, again, without wanting to excessively apologize on other people's behalf, it's like if you can perceive where there might be a defense or a, or a, or a clinging to safety and then try to let somebody know, you know, I'm not going to attack you. It's not going to be a physical attack to follow, yeah, you assume, but I'd you really assume like the best to challenge it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, better, really to, like it's to, better to have fun that. with it. Yeah. Yeah. Come into just to loop back what we were talking about earlier, like like come into combat with me. But you can tap out if you need a breather. Yeah. That that quality. I think it's more fun and it ends up being fun and you end up getting close. It and so I wanted yeah. to bring this up. Uh some and I, I want to talk about gay rights with you actually, because I don't yeah, I, I, I think it's interesting. But uh a guy that I wanted to bring up, I forget his name. He made a TED talk and he was a really like it was a really fascinating ted talk that influenced me a lot uh it's not jordan peterson is it no it's uh, uh what was the name of the guy i like jordan peterson's uh view on ideology actually That's yeah he's a he's a smart guy uh hold on what was the it was a ted talk about like racism or getting uh like friendly with a racist it was a black guy um Get his name sorry i just really this guy was well i don't know i do you mind if i just look it up real quick not at all um what ted talk 
racist, no, black guy and Ku Klux and KKK member, like Daryl Davis. Yes, I think his name is Daryl Davis. Sorry, this is taking right. a lot. Yeah, okay, Daryl yeah, no Davis. Worries. Yeah. So he's he's a black American R and B and blues musician, and he he has a TED talk about it, which you can go check out. But it's tell he, me his name again. Daryl Davis. Yeah. Okay. And um, what's fascinating is he became friends with members of the Ku Klux Klan, and because not because he because he was so against their ideas and he was like you know what i want to understand why they think the way they do i want to i want to actually get close to them and understand things and he ended up becoming friends with them and they were friends with him and and it and it was it was very particular because i think it's a story about how we can overcome division by going in the place where we don't want to go to at all and it's like it's uh it's 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 very interesting and it's very formative and it helped me understand reaching out across the aisle a lot better uh and what it truly means not on a superficial level but what what it really means to go there into the into the darkness well you have just again to like i i always find this in, in any good uh, deep and meaningful you'll kind of loop back to the starting points because you just you just said something i was like oh i could quote you on that because you you said something to the tune of to overcome division we by going to the places where we don't want to go mm -hmm. and i think that i think that that's the journey of the of, of of individuation that's the journey of psychotherapy for me that's my because i think that comes right back to what i'm talking about about that destruction within myself it comes right back to why that uh, clean and dirty thing bothers mm -hmm. me because I, it's almost like you create this internal division of that over there and that is no longer part of what I am and I think no no it stays there if, if you're especially for an addict when you when an addict chooses sobriety it doesn't take away the person that they were when they were using that person is still there and I think if not careful we create this internal division of that's as somebody else's separate and we you sort of like literally put it in the in the aisles in the back of the store cupboard because you think it doesn't apply to you anymore but actually it's the vital ingredient for what you need and you've got to go back and look in the back of the store cupboard and, to remember. and remember that that's who you are still you just you are making a different choice in this exact moment which is all we ever have but that is still who who that was as much who you are uh, yeah, I think that's what that's the point. So it's, you know, it's really easy, isn't it? Because he's a public figure. It's really easy to angle it over somebody like Russell Brand. But it's much more of a, like an internal thing that I am unpicking in my journey mm -hmm. that I did. I did because uh, I did loads of, of work in, in Tulsa recovery for years, years, because I was I grew up on it. I was raised on it and I was a little mini celebrity within that world. But I then <laughs> what happened is I didn't have any of, the, of my conversations like this in public. So that that to me was a real problem actually in the end because I'm like no actually you can't you have to talk if you're going to have if you're going to like embody or yeah embody let's go with that a, a kind of purpose in the world which is about a, a depth and individuation psychological growth spiritual growth however you want to frame it you got to do it in a public domain I think I don't think it can be done entirely privately. People well, have got to in yeah. some way be able to associate you with the thing. 
it's more that it's more that it's better to do it publicly because you can challenge yourself too. You know, otherwise you're, you're. It's way harder. It's way harder to sit on a public platform like this with you, and have things come in that make me like, oh fuck, than it is to sit privately in a safe, quiet room anonymously. Yeah, it forces you to Talking think because you're you're getting external stimuli in, in that you have to respond to instead of crafting your own reality where everything lines up and makes sense. In private with the people who agree with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you, that's, that's the problem. But it's yeah. tough. It's tough. And the the Daryl Davis is like a great example yeah. of that. Um, and oh, I just want to say one more thing. You said that like that we have this very binary thinking. And yeah. this is something I talked to about with a friend where the response very often is that everything is gray. And it's like, well, I think the world is not just black and white, but it's also not just gray. Because the thing is, people are so fed up with the binary thinking that they're like, no, everything's cool. I don't judge anybody. And I've even had people say that on my podcast. And I was like, yeah, I agree. But then I, then I think about it. I'm like, well, that's not really true. There are things that are just black or white, you know, like killing a child, an innocent child will never be okay at yeah. all. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not, like, it's not a gray area. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think the danger of rejecting binary thinking is to then be like, yeah, everything's black. Everything is gray because there are so many gray things. And, and I agree, maybe the vast majority of things are gray, but there are also a lot of black and white things. And so you can't be binary about that either. You also have to recognize that things are both black and white and gray, which is- But in the, in the, yin, yang, <laughs> in the yin yang symbol, right? There is, a, there is a dot of each in the uh -huh. other, but it's not gray. It, there's no gray in that symbol. There are, there are two into the black and white intertwine and there is a dot of each color in the that's in the interesting other. the yin and yang like is, a, is a the more like the more i think about it the more it's such a great symbol it's almost like you have to yeah it's like it's the perfect symbol i think in many ways because there is no it's not it's not great at all but then but then it means that we have to hold opposites and jung talks about that a lot jung i'm mm -hmm. very into carl jung these days and he he talks a lot about like almost like the journey really begins when you can tolerate opposites and i think for me there's a there's a real when i when i come back again to that thread i talked about of the conditioning of being managed by a struggling young single mom who sort of kept us in line by making sure we didn't have an opposing view it's like yeah that that shut down the the complexity of opposites in me for a long time and actually to sit with that in myself to be like i believe these two things and they directly oppose one another but i believe them both that's yeah. where it it's difficult starts to kick off. Probably. Oh yeah, it's very hard. And and the thing is, it's hard because it once you have to make a decision. The thing is, most decisions are not binary. You can't both yeah. go to college and not go to college because you get the benefit because you understand the benefits of both. Like eventually, you have to yeah. make a choice. And so, yeah. what happens a lot with people who are able to not think in a binary way is that they get stuck in in action because oh well, I see this and I see that. Therefore, well, what the fuck, what do I do now? And so there is a need to be binary in action as well, because eventually, otherwise, you're just not going to do anything. So yeah, it's very hard to balance out. And you do, and you live, I was going to bring this up when we were talking about uh, racism earlier as well, is that you, we do live in the world of the imbalanced platform, don't we? So it's not just as simple as like balancing the conversation. It's like actually, you no, know, because the platforms themselves have a life of their own mm -hmm. and they have algorithmic 
implications that favor certain types of discourse and that's that's the world we live in so we we sort of live in the in the yeah the world where the yeah the the ethics of the platform have to be challenged as much as the message that's on them now yeah and that's hard because those their their ethics are largely skewed heavily towards profit yeah absolutely and, so they take advantage and you of will yeah, and I think that there is they they've kind of proven this, haven't they? Basically, that negative will negative will sell. Yeah, it, it's it's you're just more attracted to a negative message. It stays with yeah. you longer, which yeah. is unfortunate. It's because it's yeah. interesting. I don't know if you know this, but it's just it's a biological survival mechanism. It's like I'm sure you've probably heard of this because if you if you're into mental health and stuff, but yeah, you know, anxiety. The moment I really got good at dealing with anxiety is when I understood it had a function. It wasn't just this annoying thing that was there. Yeah. It's it's like an alert system. And it's just that now I have to set my own alerts. And but but it yeah. is a useful tool in itself. It it's meant for you to to be a little like what is paranoia? You know? Yeah. I'd never suffered from it, but what is it? It's just you looking for a tiger in the bushes and seeing a, sh a shadow and thinking it's a tiger. And but if you were a little paranoid or anxious, let's just say anxious in early times, that meant survival. So you have anxious genes, which is why you survived because other people didn't have these anxious genes and they got killed by a tiger. And so that's why yeah. you're an anxious person. And now that you know yeah. that you don't feel like a fucking loser. No, you have good genes. You just <laughs> yeah. need to adapt them yeah. to the modern world. Right. And you don't, and in, and it, nothing, you don't make any, any growth in terms of your mental health by trying to wrestle a thing out of the experience. And yeah. that's, that's sadly, that's what anxiety does. Cause it, cause it aggravates all of your nervous systems. And it's literally telling you get this fucking feeling out of my body. And it's yeah. like, no, actually the thing you need you to, to do first into of all is to, to get that out. But also to, to, yeah, there's there's such amazing work emerging now in terms of like anchoring and 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 then understanding that we need somebody else actually because I I've such a I've, so much of my journey I've tried to figure out and sort my shit out on my own mm -hmm. and it's just like actually if you're fucked if you have chronic anxiety or if you're even if you're just in the early days of understanding your anxiety you need somebody else who is not currently triggered into their anxiety to regulate with. Otherwise you can't do it. It's not like a sit down and meditate your way through that shit. It's like, no, no, you need another physical human system within the vicinity to be like, I'm not feeling that way. Let's, yeah. let's bring you back down to earth. I think therapy is the, is the thing I'd advocate, but people can do that through all forms of relationship and friendship, and, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, we're, we're social creatures, so we need each other. Now, tell me, tell me about this. I, I'm interested. So you say you're an activist or, you know, I don't know if it's like a formal thing, but you advocate for gay rights, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So can you get into that a little bit? There's so much. I think we live, if I bind it into what I've been talking about already, I think we live in the, in the shadow of the gay rights movement at the moment. Let me try and pull that apart a little bit. Cause I think that we, let me talk specifically about being a gay man as well, because I don't think I can talk to the, the entire queer experience as much as I'd love to be able to. But I feel like within the gay male community, we live, we have internalized at the moment, a lot of the, the shame that was 
manifest through the AIDS crisis. I think that we've made huge amounts of physical, political, social progress. But psychologically, I think that the community at large has just internalized the shame. And I think that there is such an interesting conversation. When I say activist as well, I'm like, a, I'd say like psychological activist. I'm very interested in the, in the development of the psyche and, and the soul. Uh, so it's not so much, I'm, I'm, I, I will stand politically where I need to, but it's, that's not so much my interest. I'm like, how are we fucking each other up still? It's my, mm. it's my interest. And so I think there is this internalization. It's not, I'm not the first person to, to articulate the idea of internalized homophobia, but I also think that there will oh, always be, there will always be a shadowing of the queer, I think because it's an alternative to the mainstream experience. Yeah, I mean, even, also... even when I described like my little commune at one point, I said 25 men and 25 women, right? Yeah, you did. And I didn't, I, I was like, let's throw in some queer and non-binary. <laughs> uh, let's really balance some things out. But I didn't, I thought that I, I thought you were illustrating a point and yeah. I didn't feel like it was the right moment to, to wade in. I, know, I noticed it as but... I was saying it, I noticed as I was saying it, I was like, oh shit, I hope he doesn't say anything. <laughs> it's fine. I didn't feel, I felt like you could, you were illustrating a point um, and I got it. So yeah. I can talk about more about internalized homophobia if that's useful. Yeah, well, so I'm I'm interested, you know, if if we're like going to unpack this. So how like let's have an, a legitimate conversation so that people can actually benefit from it because I think there's a ton of unanswered questions. I'm a I'm a straight guy, right? And so yeah, I, my understanding is like, yeah, if if you're gay, you're gay. Like cool. I'm yeah, you know, like I don't have a problem with it. That's about yeah. where it stops. Or, or stops yeah. or starts or what it's like that's that's all i can offer yeah. because i don't really understand it so i yeah. want to understand it more so tell me how for example how did you know that you were gay do you think it's like something biological like you were just born gay like yeah totally work? i don't it's it's i believe it's nature i don't think it's nurture at all i think that um i think it's quite I, I'd be inclined to agree with the argument that everybody has a fluidity to their sexuality mm -hmm. to some degree and their gender identity even. But if I, I think it's really, you know, I always think because I, I like to talk about difficult top, topics and I'm like, I'll just be, I'll just talk about myself because I just don't yeah. know. Yeah, any, no, go I ahead. Don't, can't talk about on anybody else's behalf. So yeah, always being gay, always was, just always knew that was the case. But I, where I think, you know, internalized homophobia starts way sooner than 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 people realize realize especially heterosexual people realize because you you understand again like the tabs on the browser are opening all over the place here because you understand so young arguably before you even have words that your diff your needs or your motivations or your psychology is different to that which is the understood norm especially really? of a predominantly heterosexual caregiver but yeah. are you i believe are you, so are you conscious of what it is that makes your difference like like when do you know that it's that the primary difference is based on the fact that you're attracted to men as opposed to women well i i because i think that happens pre pre maybe i don't know quite i don't quite know the the exact ages that we are officially mm -hmm. verbal and, and, and verbal and all that kind of thing but i think that you interpret conditioning 
really young. I think it's two, age two or younger. You start to understand. I mean, it goes as far back as the as the colours we deem appropriate for a for a male identifying, female identifying child. So it's like there is so much in the the culture of that already. But then if you think, I just think like a like a mum, for instance, who is not homophobic but is fearful that they might be the mother of a gay child one day is carrying that in their nervous system so if they have a if they have this baby it gurgles and it coos and it starts to develop i think it's really really young that they start to have a an awareness that they might have a baby that is gay or queer or whatever the word you want to use here and that is how early the kid starts to go you, yes, the kids hearing messages all over the place that that's not really okay, and 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 what develops. I, I really like to hope we'll make. This is the progress I'd like to see. I think we've gotten, we've had to do so much fighting for the political progress and for the social progress that actually we haven't got to do the true developmental progress, which I think is the next part of the game, is to is to get into understanding where it is woven into the education process, the nurturing process that you're inadvertently, accidentally bouncing this baby in your arms, subconsciously being like, please don't be gay, please don't be gay, please don't be gay. <laughs> I don't think anybody's doing that, but almost sociologically, I think they I are. I see what you're saying. So I think, well, I think it would be cool, you know, if we were chill enough to study it scientifically and like try to understand it just like we try to understand everything right we try to understand well what makes a particular person a bit more anxious what makes a person more anything right we we have but but the battle for the the battle for validity holds that up doesn't it because it's like we're still we've we've made huge amounts of progress but you're still in the conversation this is where i think our trans friends are here to God knows they have the right to just exist without having to have serve a political function. But I think that they their their journey at the moment is here to teach us just how little progress we've made in terms of tolerance, of difference, of non-binary uh, existences as human souls. But I think that there has been such a fight for just just for it to be all right, you know, for, for, to be able to do what straight people do that actually there isn't the ability to kind of go look at the education system and i and i would i would push hard on points like i think lots of people if you were to challenge them would still think that they're okay with with people being gay or queer but they still think that heterosexual is preferable mm-hmm. i kind of throw yeah, that no. out as a conversation point yeah no for sure you think that's a a thing I th- that most people think being heterosexual is preferable. Well, let's go. Let's go. Let's take it. Let's dial it up an irreverent notch. Because I'm thinking of starting my next show. I write shows. I do solo shows. I'm thinking of starting my next show with my ass out. So literally, like with my ass facing the audience, mm-hmm. and 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 doing a whole irreverent. <laughs> that's very artistic. Yeah, it's being. It's meant to be more comedy, but it's meant to be like a cheeky opening. That's the whole point. Yeah, I, cheeky it certainly is cheeky. Yeah, <laughs> but then also just to say, like from the offset, this is a point of entry, because I think that that is such a good challenge point. 
because people will just go, no, it's not. They'll just yeah. have that reaction. No, it's not. And I think until it's like, that's where I think if you wanted to get down into the granular, I can talk about developmental psychology, but yeah. Can I say something we, funny? I saw, I saw, yeah. on, I saw on Instagram, it was this, uh, it was, it was a gay guy saying that uh, he, it was a gay guy saying, and I, I think it was as a joke, right. But that he went to the doctors and said, my, uh, my butt really hurts right around, like right around the entrance. And that the doctor told them, well, as long as you keep calling it the entrance, I think that might like that issue might persist for you. <laughs> See, that's that's therein lies the rub, right? <laughs> but that's yeah, it. no, but it's it, you know what you know what I really think? I think it would be beneficial if if we the thing is everyone's walking on eggshells. So the the way I see the conversation right now is you have a community that recently has gotten vindicated to a certain extent. And so now that they're vindicated, it's become everybody else's, everybody else is walking on eggshells and they don't want to be seen as somebody who, you know, because they're like the, the people, the, the gay community has been vindicated. So people who opposed, let's say, gay marriage, are the ultimate enemy now in terms of like society, right? Society yeah. sees them negatively, but they still exist, these people. And so because I they don't still think exist. Society does see them negatively. I think the, 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 the progressive gay movement may, may see them negatively. Yeah. I well, I think society, society is large. Well, I, I guess, I don't know. But the, the thing is, nobody wants to be associated to these people openly, I think, because it, it, well, maybe not nobody, but a lot of people don't want to be openly associated with that. Just yeah, because. like, but I don't know about you, but I'm moving pretty liberal circles, right? So I don't know anybody who does, but I, I reckon I could walk down the street where I currently live and find you somebody that thinks that movie oh, is. Oh, yeah, is and, I don't, and I think they just wouldn't tell you. They, and that's, yeah. that's what yeah, I'm trying exactly. to say. Yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah. trying to say is I think yeah. people are walking on eggshells, which is a short-term win for the gay community. To me, it's a short-term win. Because long term, if you really want to change people's minds about it, you can't legislate a change of mind. You know, you have to, you, you have can't. to actually have people change their minds. And so to me, what would be beneficial and what would actually bring people together is if these conversations were had with an open-minded attitude on both sides. And if, for example, there was scientific research into well, what makes a person gay? What is, because that's what, because I think a lot of the anti-gay marriage stuff is just based on, well, I don't know what this is. So no, that's it. I think, I don't think it's necessarily even based on hate for a lot of people. I think it's just based on not understanding what the situation is and, and thinking this, this, this yeah. is weird. Let's not allow this to happen. I don't get it. And if there was just a scientific explanation for what homosexuality is right instead of it just being this thing that happens that we should be afraid of like it comes out of yeah. nowhere all of a sudden your child is gay ah you know if we yeah. knew like oh but you know what okay. i don't i i'd be far more interested in a in a scientific study about why people are fucking heterosexual that's way more interesting to me like i, I don't know like because i'm just a bit like i don't know do we do we have to do that to straight people 
It's like that we don't do we like we we're straight people. We just assume that that it's their inalienable right to exist and belong and have human rights and and progressive values and such and such and such. It's like why? And there's a bit of me that does think yes, I'd love that, but I. I, I think it, I wonder whether it's still bound in some way to the idea that we've got to like explain the gay thing. It's like, no, it's. Well, I think this is where it comes down to the whole spiritual versus pragmatic thing. Yeah. I get you from a spiritual perspective. I, for example, I can understand spiritually that a soul might not even have a gender. Like it's true. It's right. Like if you're, if yeah. we are, then we probably, I don't know, I guess our souls wouldn't have a gender. Right. So at yeah. our core, at our core, it is quite possible and this is this is maybe where you might get the Christians, by the way, that we are gender fluid at the core, really. And maybe yeah. that's true, right? And I I don't yeah. know. I who the hell knows? So okay, that's that's the spiritual truth. The pragmatic truth is 90% of the world functions in a heterosexual way, I think. And the animal kingdom mostly functions in a heterosexual way. And so the burden of proof or whatever you want to call it does ultimately end up on the people with the alternative lifestyle doesn't mean it's right doesn't mean it's whatever but the the this is where like the pragmatics of the situation come in and so if you want to convince people or advocate you also have to give up some of the ideological spiritual underpinning which sucks but it, it is going to be more efficient at actually getting the point across if do you know what i'm trying to say I do. And I think that that is coming back to bring it really personally. That is like the psychic load. That's the like, the, that's like the psychological complex that you're left with actually as a queer person mm. is that you are at odds and you are, and to, yeah, to find a, I fully understand the people that just, they, they're not interested in, in an advocate path. They just want to um, assimilate, fit in, crack on because it's exhausting. And I, yeah. and I, and I do understand that. And it is, it is like a yeah like understanding and and coming to terms with that in a, in a really depth psychological way of, of of like yeah you are at odds with with the with the mainstream and you live you you exist on a planet that is insistent on the dominant mainstream now and so yeah you at this moment in time you're going to be at odds with that if if there weren't social consequences direct social consequences like let's say you can't have a bank loan or you're not allowed to have married uh, marriage mm. or you know if all these barriers are removed do you care what other people think still like let's say everyone's homophobic but they let you do pretty much they 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 you don't it doesn't impact your life other than by the way it's true once again, the sort of unconscious hiring decisions and all that. But let's say, let's yeah. say you're, let's say feasibly you're able to find enough like-minded people that it's not really a worry. You can find a job. Let's say the only real impact at the end of the day is just that you know it's psychological, and I'm not discounting it, but it's just that you know that other people do not understand you and don't like you. But you also know that you live in a society where you feel relatively protected enough where it's not going to have. Uh, an impact on your physical life, just on your psychological life. Can it be argued that at that point, just leave it alone and just go and live your best life? 
Yeah, I'd say we're about 3,000 years away from that place that you just described. Okay. Yeah, and so, so I don't see it that way. What's, but I don't know enough, right? I just, to me, like, I guess. Yeah, that's just, right. it's just, so it's what's, just, so yeah, what's missing? It's, um, like balance from birth of, of privilege, opportunity, development, education. Mm. So That's the more it. like subconscious, like yeah, you're like saying to, on paper, just, we have all the rights, but in terms of outcome, that doesn't happen because of all the internal. Uh, yeah, you articulated heteros, it a minute yeah. ago in a way that I'm not going to remember, but it was about, yeah, you are. Yeah, the bias. It's about bias, I think. It's mm -hmm. unconscious bias. That is that's a huge deal in, in in lots of progressive movements at the moment. But I think that there is that and that's that's what would be my challenge to you personally as well as to to advocate if you wanted to. Um to look at how 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 just how quickly even one tires of the conversation. It's like I noticed that when I'm when I'm talking to heterosexual people, even if they want to be allies, you can sort of see. I can see like I've got two brothers who are open advocates would would pretty much do anything to defend me, et cetera, et cetera. But you can sense this sort of you don't feel the need to continue the fight because you don't live the fight every mm. second of every day uh, and every room you walk into every time you open your mouth every time it's all there. You know the the biases of and I think it comes back to what we were talking about, about that survival uh, safety thing, because there's a sense of danger, I think, if it's not safe to be dot, dot, dot. As a, I as see. A, as and I'm going to ask a, a, another question then. Assuming there is no way to change things and no way to get rid of bias because because you do have to think of you know it's not just a movement it's composed of individuals who are meanwhile yeah. struggling so we also have to empower the gay community yes sure hope hope that you're going to succeed yeah uh at at you know finding love and understanding and compassion and opportunities and sure what if it doesn't work you know you in order to not feel like this is a survival battle and in order to keep your wits about you you need to find ways to enjoy life in the meantime right like if it yeah. let's say let's say this is not about gay rights but let's say this is about you being in poland in 1940s and you yeah. have you're invaded by germany like as much as yes we want to take our country back as much as we are working on the sidelines you know to drum up a underground resistance movement <clears throat> what can we do in the meantime to feel like good and and empowered and so what can individuals yeah do that's a that's a really particularly horrific moment in in modern history that i'd rather not be transported back to but yeah i think i know what you're saying it's like you yeah love right probably and so we're going to end just up just find love in a, your find love in i your think community. do the best yeah just do the best to be, but also to again like this is something that i again i feel like this does weave us back to where we've begun of like yeah just look at what what of that is your need me personally doug what is doug's need for destruction and what is an internalization of the society's perception of a dog in this world 
Mm. It's a big question, I understand. So I think that's what it is and how to, how to the best of my ability evolve. I think this, this is something I'm making my peace with as well, is that I don't think, I think we're really misinformed about the, how much we're capable of changing, mm -hmm. truly transforming and actually the dial and actually true shifts of the dial internally are very slight, but hugely profound in terms of our experience. So yeah, for me, if I try and answer it right here, right now, it would be about trying to have the courage to love openly in, in to the best of my capability in spite yeah. of all of my internal conflict. Uh, I would recommend, this is what I would say, even though I don't share in the experience, I would say, um, remain try to remain at peace and not come from a place of anger even though things are going to anger you try to come from a, a place of some higher consciousness try to understand and be tactical really be tactical don't don't just be like ah be tactical respond tactically to the situation and then um surround yourself with good people you know that love you for who you are and do what you can to, to make the world better and see yourself as a full individual. Don't let society push you into the, you're gay, therefore this is the issue you should care about. You can also care about economics. You can also care about uh, art and you can also play rugby. Like, you know what I mean? We are whole yeah. individuals. And as much as there are things that bother us in the society in which we live, we can't also be dragged down into the labels that society puts on us, even when it's trying to help us, because I think that is not going to benefit you in the end. You are a whole individual and don't be trapped into the oppression because there are other things that you can, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Liberate yeah. yourself yeah. and then you can liberate others. That's what I would say. What do you want to plug your website? Where can people find your art, your plays? Yeah, I think maybe I didn't, I didn't even consider that actually. So yeah, you can find me at the doggy store. That's my hot take on the Disney store. Uh, it's going <laughs> to give you quite a different experience. Um, yeah, but the doggy store.com and, and it's spelled D O U G I E. Yeah. Store as, a, as you would expect store to be spelled. And yeah, it's, a, it's a developing thing. So on there you can find, I work in a lot of different contexts, but on there you're, you're, you're going to get a developing pool of, of bits of comedy, bits of uh, thoughtful art, visual art, songs, even there's lots of stuff going on there. So, yeah. yeah. So thank you for, yeah. Thank you for being here. Uh, I hope people check out your, your, your art and it's it's uh it's really a pleasure speaking to you you're an intellectually rigorous person and i really enjoyed our conversation <laughs> it was it was nice likewise exchanging. yeah i'd like to stay in touch as well i'd love to hear how your how your podcast is developing and and yeah. maybe we can loop back and and do this again sometime absolutely would be, would be a pleasure have. yeah yeah would be great right all right well off you go. Enjoy your enjoy your duties for the day. <laughs> <laughs> They're less stimulating. Are you going to let me know when this goes yeah. somewhere? Yeah. Yeah, I, I will. I'm actually going to uh, what day is it?